Okay, welcome back to a special uh, emergency podcast for Firewall. Uh, the reason why this is a special emergency podcast is, for those of you who know and love New York politics, the judge uh, redrew the district lines for the congressional state senate seats yesterday. They were released, uh, highly controversial, extremely fun, uh, if you're interested in this stuff. So our resident expert and Touch Strategy CEO, Chris Coffey, is joining us to talk about what this all means. Hi, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me. Emergency, emergency. <laughs> all right, so let, let's start with this. Just for people who weren't paying attention, why did things play out this way? Why, why didn't the normal process work? Good question. Uh, because the legislature tried to create um, a very, very pro-democratic uh, situation where they rejiggered a bunch of the maps to have as few Republicans in Congress as possible. And if, if they had been a little less egregious does the map then go through as they wrote it? You think it's egregious for Canada to be in the same district as Mexico? Come on, that's yeah. not egregious. Um, yeah, so yes, yeah. probably. They were trying, listen, in their defense, uh, they were trying to make up for Republicans gerrymandering states all over the country to for their sure. benefit. For sure, for sure. Look, the reality is this. What they did in New York is no worse than what the Republicans did in, say, Texas and, and vice versa. But they also kind of fucked up because they took it far enough that they ended up losing in court, a judge got brought in to, to draw the maps instead, and the outcome for them is significantly worse, right? Don't forget the tagline, we're just as bad as the Republicans. We're almost as bad, we're worse than, we're the same as the Republicans, don't blame us. Yes, that's right. Right. So um, let's talk mainly about the congressional seats, because I think that's kind of more fun, and then we can kind of dive into the state Senate. So what's the impact now of these newly drawn congressional districts on incumbents? Total gong show, total shit show. You've got um, uh, Carolyn Maloney is now, you know, you had a, so people have been running for a year and a half. They've raised money, they've campaigned, they've gone out, they've done all these things. And a judge yesterday, a special master yesterday, just threw out all the maps. Uh, and in throwing out the maps, cha dramatically changed some of the districts. So, you know, I grew up, uh, Jerry Nadler, who represents the far west side, Carolyn Maloney, the far east side, since I was like growing up in the far, on the Upper East Side. They've both been there for like 30 years. Yeah, I'm still wondering where the pandas are, but yeah. Pandas, yeah, Carolyn wants a panda. So um, made it one district. So yeah. instead of Jerry representing the West Side and Carolyn representing the East Side, they said, you know what? Manhattan, south of 96th Street and north of 14th Street is one district, and they'll have a bloody face-off to see who who gets to represent. Well, that's really districts. fun, right? Totally All right, so fun. let's handicap the the head-to-head -head here. So uh, yesterday, when you and I were talking about it, we both pegged it at like 64. Nadler. You well, still feeling that way now? Yeah. I mean, listen, the the Upper West Side votes are more reliable, and so his voters are, tend to be more reliable. That being said, I looked at the district, and the district is about 58% of her district versus 42% of his district-ish. Um, that would give at least her, um, Carolyn would get uh, at least, uh, I, I would say, a 50-50 shot. She has a little bit more money. Um, she's been campaigning longer. Jerry didn't think he had a primary, so he's been like off doing whatever it is. He's that been he off does. doing nothing for twenty years. Yeah, doing whatever it is that Jerry does. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. But that so, is. and here's the thing that makes me a little nervous for Carolyn, though, which is the one borough where an editorial endorsement makes a big difference is Manhattan yeah. uh, and the Times. I can't imagine would pick Maloney over Nadler. If I were the Times, I'd say, why are these people still running? But anyway, but they did invo they did endorse Nadler in, you're right, and so especially in the Upper East Side, the Upper West Side, that time, my mom used to walk and still lives on the Upper East Side, walks to voting booth with the Times in her hand to be like, who are they? Now right. she know, she'll know Alvin, the congressional. Alvin Bragg, one of the Alvin Bragg. Right um, Now, uh, 
Carolyn got the Times endorsement in 2020. Over uh, Siraj. Over Siraj. She did not get it in 18. Well, I don't remember 18. I don't remember if she got it. And then Nadler, I think, usually gets it, but doesn't have a primary. Um, certainly, Nadler is the, because he's a little bit more progressive, um, is probably the favorite to get the Times. But I will say the Times has been understaffed and has not been doing these races. Like, they didn't do a ton in 2021. And they may just say, fuck it, we can't. Like, we're not going to get into, like, a Carolyn Maloney-Jerry Nadler dispute. Okay, so that that's one heavyweight fight. But the date of the new primary is when? It's like the last, it's like the last Tuesday in August, August 24th or something. Got it. And who has more money between Nadler and Maloney? Maloney has over one and Nadler has 800,000. And the DCCC has to stay out of it, right? Yeah, I would, what I wonder is like, there there is some pro-Israel money that I would think would come in for Maloney. Right. Isn't Um, it ironic that the Catholic is more pro-Israel than the Jew in this race? Yeah, and she'll, by the way, she'll roll out like the firefighters and the cops, which I don't, you know, in 2020. Not going to get you a lot, Manhattan. Well, I don't know, but people crime now. Like, I I don't know. I don't don't know. If, if, if. You'd have to go back and look at some of Jerry in 2020, 2019, 2018 around policing. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he stayed out of it. I don't. I, I just don't know. Is there anyone in New York that you think could be kingmaker other than the Times here? The the opportunity to be kingmaker was to convince one of them not to run, uh, and they both decided yesterday. The, the, the special master came out yesterday, I think around noon, and by two o'clock they'd both put out statements that they were running, and they didn't talk to each other. Um, so by the way, Nadler is running in Maloney's seat. Nadler didn't call Maloney. Um, I only know because Carolyn like was on the like Carolyn called us to say what do you think I should do and she hadn't heard from Nadler yet while Nadler's statement came out and she was like well I don't think Nadler's going to run and then like the statement popped as yep. as she said that so so uh, they're not the only uh, district now where two incumbents are getting put uh, against each other uh, in Westchester Mondaire Jones who's a a, a friend of uh, the show or whatever I like Mondaire uh, is running now against Sean Patrick Maloney. Does Maloney is the head of the DCCC, right? So does Mondaire have a shot, or is Maloney going to have 10x more money? Um, it's a good question. I also don't know. We don't know yet that Mondaire for sure will run against Maloney. There is some chance that that Mondaire runs against Bowman uh, in the 16th. Uh, I think Mondaire— Where does he live? He li- they both live in the 17th. But you don't have to live in your district. Look at Joe Crowley. Right. Um, Washington. You so could, you know, the, the, the district is like cut in half. Uh, it's it's it is, I think, two thirds in the 17th and a third in the 16th. So he could run against Bowman. By the way, Bowman could run against Richie Torres. Now, Bowman lives in the 16th. Uh, Richie Torres is the 15th. But there's part of the 15th in Bowman's district. To be so, all right, so all right, so I, I, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're, you're probably right. Let's we'll, do the matchups. Uh, yeah. Mondaire versus Sean Patrick Maloney. What are the odds? You got to figure advantage, Sean Patrick. He'll have a little bit more money. He's been elected more times. You have two kind of well-known LGBTQ congressmen running against each other. One who's black, one who's white. Um, it's a shame, you know. And and, and Sean Patrick is more moderate. Obviously, Mondaire's more progressive. Um, I like. I have to say, like I, I know both of them. Obviously, uh, I really like Mondaire. I just think he's really thoughtful. Um, really does care about policy issues. Um, you know, he was h- very helpful to us on the universal school meal stuff in the House. He and uh, Gottheimer uh, kind of led the effort uh, to to get House support for us. 
Whereas Sean Patrick, like he's fine. I've known the guy forever, but he's just a politician. Is this I mean, where we do a role reversal because you really like one of them and I'm supposed to be like the straight No, you don't have to. You can agree or disagree. I mean, by the way, and Sean's a perfectly nice guy, but he's a politician. Like, I can't think of any other words to describe him. Do you him. think that Democratic voters will make a decision that Maloney would be a better general election candidate than Mondaire in that new district? That's a good question. Um, no, I don't think voters usually in primaries think about that. Um, but you're right. In, in a year that can be heavily Republican and in a district that at least theoretically could, you know, go the other way, you might want to think about that if so you're a voter in it. My dare apparently was pissed yesterday because Sean Patrick didn't give him a heads up that he was running in his district and just put out a statement. Um, and Mondaire put out a statement himself saying that tells you all you need to know about Sean Patrick Maloney. So already, already getting tough They're in that district. So our, our friend Richie Torres, who's our favorite by far uh, of everyone, do you think he'll get a challenge from Bowman? I don't. I mean, listen, if, if, if Bowman ran against Richie, it would be the only part of the district that Bowman now represents would be Riverdale. And you'd have to think in Riverdale, Richie's going to do well in Riverdale, you right? mean Riverdale doesn't like the guy who hates Israel? Right. So, yeah. you know, Richie's a really strong Israel candidate. Now, there's some progressives in, 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 in Riverdale. And, you know, let's say, they, let's say somehow they split Riverdale, which is possible. Then the rest of the district is Richie's. Right. Uh, and it's and it's mostly Latino. It's like two thirds Latino, one third black. Um, you think Richie will, will will do well? By the way, there'll be so, there'd be so much money in that race coming in to support Richie at that point. I, you'd have to think that that Bowman looks at that and says like, not worth it. Right. If you're Bowman, you just run in the 16th and you hope Mondaire goes into the 17th. And, and then you're who done. who challenges Bowman in the 16th if Mondaire sticks with the 17th? Uh, there's a there's a challenger. His name is Vashi, and he's raised about six hundred thousand dollars. What what one thing? There's a post story today that said you could have Bowman run against Mondaire, and then you've got this moderate who's raised a bunch of money who slides right up the middle. Um, that's possible. Um, what's in terms of districts now where there is no current elected representative? Uh, and people are throwing their hat in the ring. What's the most interesting one to you? Welcome to the New York 10th, uh, okay. a, a never-talked-about district, a never-created district that uh, starts south of 14th Street, uh, goes into Borough Park, uh, into Park Slope, uh, into my neighborhood in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn Heights, uh, and, and big, big voting swaths of Brooklyn. Um, it was sort of the Nadler district. Uh, and now, uh, and Nadler represented a bunch of it, uh, and now it is an open district, obviously with Nadler running against Maloney. Right. Um, who's going to run in that district? So Brad Hoyleman, a state senator uh, and chairman of the state judici of the Senate Judiciary Committee, came out yesterday and said he's he is likely running. Bill mm -hmm. De Blasio has been rumored to oh, be running. God. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, Maya Wiley, who ran for mayor, uh, lives in that district. No, no word yet as to whether. Um, she will run, but people have She'll asked. Be formidable, sure. Um, Scott Stringer lives in the financial district and has been wanting to go to Congress since 1932. No, I'm just kidding. But he's been wanting to go to Congress for a really long time. This would be a chance to yep. go to Congress yep. for Scott. Um, although he wanted that Upper West Side seat, which now doesn't exist because he doesn't live. Well, he'd have to, Scott would have to move. If I thought he, you don't have to live in the district. You, I think you have to eventually live in the district. You couldn't live. You can't live in the financial district and represent the Upper yeah, West. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure that uh, the what governs 100% Scott's decisions is politics and nothing else. So if right. he had to move apartments, I yeah, don't think it would right. be a big, yeah. a big problem for him. And he's like, to his credit, he's lived on the Upper West Side for most yeah, of his yeah, life. He, that, it's that's like his not world. a fake district. But he could decide to run right now. He would be, I assume, formidable. Mm -hmm. um, there is rumors about Catherine Garcia, uh, who would do really well in that district. But why would you, if you're her, you're helping run the entire state of New York, right? You're, you're the governor, is what she's the CEO for the state or, or something like that. Yep. 
she probably does more in a week than most House members accomplish in a year. Totally. Why but if, would but, you want to leave you, that? If you want to get elected mayor, which she, I think, does because she ran yeah. last time, then you're much better off with your own name and your own platform and the Kathy Gar- Catherine Garcia platform, which she doesn't have right now. She has the Kathy Hochul platform, which is great. And if Hochul wins, she'll, I assume, continue on in, in service of the governor. Um, but it's not easy to create a name for yourself as a staffer. Uh, no, but at else's. the same time, assuming she's not going to primary Adams, we're looking at, what, 2029? It's so far away that if you don't want to be in the House, you're going to do it for seven years because it's better positioning for a theoretical mayoral race. Well, with, you you're know. a congressperson. You run for Senate. You can run, but yes, okay. She probably doesn't want to be a senator either. She wants to, like, do shit. Yeah, right. right. That's the pe- people who really want to do shit work in the executive branch. No there offense. are some exceptions in the legislature, uh, but but not that many. So I don't think she I think for the reason you just said, she does not want to run. So she's probably out. Who else? Um, David Yasky has been, you know, he was running for that state Senate seat. How many uh, things has he run for now? He hasn't run since 06, I don't think, but he's been he's been running for the state Senate seat for a little while. I think my guess is he'll stay in that state Senate seat. But so this neighborhood represents, it's about 20% Asian, um, and it also represents Borough Park. Um, very orthodox. Very orthodox. Uh, and so there is no moderate. None of the people we named were moderates. Um, I would be surprised if there wasn't a moderate candidate, whether they're from Borough Park, whether they're Asian, whether, someone that can win votes in Borough Park, but also win some votes. Well, what about Borough. Siraj Patel? Siraj Patel, um, right, who was running against Carolyn Maloney up until last week. Uh, or up until yesterday, I assume we'll look at this race really closely. And if he did, I assume would run as kind of like a fresh moderate. Um, whether Siraj can win in Borough Park, where he probably has never been, is a good question. Then again, Andrew Yang had never been to Borough Park and won most of the votes in Borough Park. Right. So it is possible if you go in and say, all these folks are progressive and I'll take your phone calls and I'm good on. So I'll, I'll throw out a few other members of the House. Can you tell me if there's any material impact on them or not? Um, AOC. Not really. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem doesn't live in his district anymore. So Hakeem is right now as the sort of the chair of the New York delegation is fighting these maps and says that they're unconstitutional. I don't think it it does not appear that there's a lot that he can do about that. I assume he'll move into the ninth. But again, he'll have to like move. He doesn't live in the district. Nicole Maliotakis. She is greatly benefited by this. She had a race that was drawn for her. the, the, the The previous map was basically drawn so Max Rose uh, would have a shot at, at, at flipping Staten Island to the Dems. So it was Staten Island, but it was also Brooklyn Heights and Cobble Hill, where Park I live, Slope. and Park Slope. Yeah. And so you'd have Nicole Meliotakis, like, campaigning in Park Slope. But, you know, the new map is basically Staten Island plus um, conservative parts of Brooklyn. And I think that's probably the end of the uh, of the line, at least in 2022, for Max Rose. Meliotakis should win this pretty handily. So the overall balance, if you had to predict, coming out of uh, 2022 uh, between Democrats and Republicans out of the New York congressional delegation will be what? Uh, that's a good question. Well, New York City will, have, will, will keep its one Republican. I think before this had five Republicans and then a few toss-up seats. Yeah, I think the plan was Democrats are trying to make a 22 to 4, and it could be uh, as, as different as, like, 14 to 11 or something like that. Or yeah, I tend to be a little 10. more optimistic, but not that much more. Yeah. Oh, optimistic on which side? Optimistic for the Dems to do okay. well. I am... You are a proud Democrat. Proud Democrat. Yeah, I hate them all. Okay, the state Senate, obviously probably a little less interesting to our listeners, but um, New York State Senate, really, really important. The New York State budget's over $200 billion. Um, the state Senate has moved very, very far to the left over the last couple of years. Um, do you see that changing? 
Well, so now there are 15 competitive districts up from six before uh, before the maps were redrawn. Um, I don't think this has a material change. I mean, it's hard. Well, it's it's hard to see the Republicans taking back the Senate, mm-hmm. um, but now it's going to be a little bit easier um, for at least for them to pick up some serious seats. And you know, in order for the Democrats to lose either the governor's office or the Senate, you would have needed a perfect storm. And, you know, we talked about this on the last show. There are elements of a perfect storm. Crime Mm -hmm. is up, Mm -hmm. um, you know, bail reform, Biden unpopular, unfortunately, um, certainly shootings and other and other stuff, inflation. And and now you have maps that are less unfair and more, you know, shitty for for Democrats. But um, you you really do have the ingredients for a perfect storm. I don't think there's any way that the, de- the Republicans are going to pick back the Senate. I do think you could have a competitive governor's race. I think the governor will win. Um, but you could have Republicans pick up a bunch of Senate seats for sure. And that makes it a more competitive. So if you're Kathy Hochul, let's assume that you get reelected, which I still think she will, right? Or I guess elected because she wasn't elected the first time. Um, what do you actually want? So Cuomo, when he was governor, kind of wanted either a Republican Senate or at least the IDC to kind of have a, a moderate wing of the state Senate Democratic Party. Um, he felt like that would help his agenda kind of govern. He'd govern better. Um, Hochul obviously worked with the state Senate and the, the Assembly on these maps, uh, but what she had, she had no choice but to. But what do you think she would actually want if she were being honest? She wants a moderate. I mean, she wants more moderate partnerships. She thinks the legislature, I think, is she wouldn't. I don't know if she would say this. She probably wouldn't. But is too progressive, and she wanted to do bail reform, and she could only do. She wanted to get reform to bail reform. Um, and she got about 10 percent of what she wanted because the legislature wouldn't go back and look at bail reform. And I think that's going to get worse over time. If she had more, you know, she would never say this, I'm sure, but more Republicans is probably good for her as long as it's a Democratic Senate. I mean, she doesn't want Republicans to own the Senate and do investigations and all sorts of other stuff. But having a more competitive landscape probably enables her to get more of her stuff done. And let's say the Republicans do pick up a bunch of seats. Do you think that um some sort of version of the Independent Democratic Committee or whatever they were called, caucus, comes back because all of a sudden then there's sort of a, 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 an opportunity that if you could have five or six members specifically you know, adhering to one group and one agenda, you're kind of the balance of power. Yeah, it just ended so badly for them that you, they'd have to be worried that it's a short-term play. Like, you know, they get two years. And maybe they do it for the two years, but they're going to get defeated in two years. I think what's more likely is you have more kind of moderate stuff happening because you need Republicans for some votes. You know, I think it pushes, you know, Andrew Stewart-Cousins is now 74. Um, does Generis was supposed to follow her. He's pretty progressive. Do you need someone who's more moderate? I don't know. Um, I think those are the questions that you ask more likely than an right. IDC. And is there anyone else. like a Generis who's sort of a mainstay of the state Senate who actually could get upset this year because of the new maps? Well, Generis's district is all over the place. I don't think he'll have a problem, but its district is, like, brought up into three districts. You know, Andrew Godardis, I think, has been great. We're supposed to take Brooklyn Heights and Cobble Hill. He was basically going to represent me, sort of, and now he's that's back. That's all in, anyone, that's wants, all to anyone do, wants to do, yeah. I know. Um, and now he's back into a tough neighborhood that he barely won last time. I, I mean, he is a very hardworking, very charismatic guy, and I hope he does well, but it's a tougher district for him. Um, Antonio Delgado, who is currently the state's lieutenant governor, was until a week or two ago a member of Congress representing Dutchess County and other parts of upstate like that. He chose, um, in advance of the new maps being released, to take the lieutenant governor job. A lot of speculation was that the maps were going to be so unfavorable to him that um, 
a seat that he won that was traditionally a Republican seat would be hard to hold. Now that you've seen the maps, did he make the right call? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I want to point out that your first reaction to him doing it was like, why would he give up his House seat to be fucking lieutenant governor? Right, it's, which totally is the opposite of everything I just said, the executive branch, except lieutenant governor traditionally literally does nothing except, you know, make sure the governor's breathing every so often. Yeah, I mean, look, when, when I heard it, I literally sent him a one-word text. I just said, why? Uh, but, you know, we've talked a couple of times since then, and, and I think assuming that he is allowed to play a meaningful role in that administration, it, it does become a really good So, job. you know, the governor was lieutenant governor that was um, relegated to all the ribbon cuttings. And I right. think she acutely knows what that's like and made him a deal to be a true partner in government. And my guess is he'll have a tremendous amount of influence in this administration, assuming they win another term. Right. All right. Final predictions. What, what do you think the most unlikely or crazy thing is uh, that will come out of all of this? Well, there should be some sort of reckoning on the Democratic side about how they got here. Right. Like by asking for too much. Um, I, 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 don't, I think we'll have a you, you have a you, I don't, do you remember Bob? What's his name? Bob Turner, who somehow won that congressional seat that Koch endorsed him. He was running against oh, yeah, yeah. he was running against a weapon. I, you could have a really wacky person win the tenth. I mean, that is possible. You're going to have all these progressives, and, and one of them may win. Or you have someone who's a little more moderate against six progressives, and the moderate ends up winning. And, and Andrew Yang decides, fuck it, I'm going to run. It's an Asian district with, with Jews in it. Like, oh, my God, I it's don't the think district. he would like being a right, He doesn't want to be a congressman. But there's got to be someone, and I don't, you know, it's, yeah. But, but you could have a wacky, a wacky candidate like right, that. Last, last question, then, which is, so the country as a whole is expected to shift heavily to the right in, in the midterm elections. If you are in the heart of socialist Brooklyn or whatever it is, is any of that relevant or the voters are just as progressive as ever? They're going to pick the most progressive candidate they can. And obviously there's no competitive general election. So, you know, the, the national trends, you know, parts of, of New York City are immune to them. I don't think the national trends matter as much. Two things. I don't think the national trends matter as much as crime does. So I think if you're, you know, let's say a 40s progressive in Park Slope, but you're worried about your kids getting on the bus every day or getting in the subway, you may decide you want to go for a more moderate state senator. That has nothing to do with national trends. That's just you're scared of guns coming into your district, coming to your neighborhood. And second, I think we don't know about Roe versus Wade. I think we don't know, you know, people think that uh, Republicans are going to do well. They they might. I think Roe v. Wade, we just don't know what we don't know. Right. And I think that the, the, the Roe v. Wade stuff was so intense and so scary, um, along with some of the trans bills and the don't say gay and like all of that stuff put into it, I think is making the Republicans take what should be an opportunity for them and making it pretty fucking hard for kind of mainstream, moderate Dems, moderate Republicans, moderate independents to say, I want to vote for the crazy people. Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. That's right. There we go. All right, Chris, thank you. We'll uh, have you back on to see what actually happens. Can't wait. Thanks. Thanks.